It's the Podcaster News Show, where the editors of podcasternews.com share their insights on a wide range of podcasting topics. Welcome to Podcaster News Show, episode number 29. This is the podcast where we recount some recent news in podcasting that wasn't quite enough on its own for us to cover it on the Podcaster News Show blog. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I am with... I am Jen Thorpe. And we uh, want to thank you for listening to our show today. And uh, before we get to item one, I do want to put out a brief note of apology. Uh, there was some complaints about our last show and the overall sound quality, and that is totally my fault. Uh, an oversight on my part, and the uh, last show actually has been uh, remixed and re-uploaded but uh, going forward, we will do our best to make sure the, the show sounds as good as we can make it. So let's hit our uh, first topic here. Jen, why don't you take it? Okay, so this is an article uh, called Listening is the New Watching, the best podcast to binge listen while you're traipsing around campus. It was written by Jasmine Kemper on College Times, so it's aiming at college students. And I think the first reason I put this in here for us to talk about is the concept of binge listening. Sure, yeah. Like, I understood, you know, people do, like, you know, get Netflix, watch an entire season of something in, like, a day or two days or however much time they have. They watch, they binge watch the entire thing, and then they go, now what will I watch, right? It did not occur to me that people were binge listening to things as well, yeah. especially while they're walking around doing other things. To me, this seems a little weird. Well, I think that this notion of binge listening to podcasts is one of those things that we can credit to the popularity of Serial because it was certainly not the first podcast to do this, but probably the first really well-known one that was produced to be, as the name suggests, a serialized telling of one story that has sort of a beginning, middle, and end, whereas most podcasts aren't really produced that way. What did you, do you have any thoughts on the actual list of they, shows? They picked some good ones. Um, none, well, Serial's on the list, so, you know, there you go. Go um, figure. Yeah, that one's on the list of probably every podcasting list right now in existence. But they had some other ones in here that I thought at least would give you something to, like, kind of think about as you're walking around. Like, they have Freakonomics on there, mm -hmm. you know. Um, they have Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is an NPR show, um, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, it's like a quiz show. I don't know if you know that one or not, but um, it's kind of like a quiz show and they you know, talk about current events and things. Um, there's a few others on here that you know make you think. Um, Stuff You Should Know is a podcast that uh, is about like how it teaches you how everything works. You know, how does this work? There's their topic and then they go from there. So at the very least, you know, this is just a couple of things on the list. Um, Serial was not at the top. It was in there. It's not a list with numbers. It's just a bunch of choices. And I guess they're all equally valid. They're not numbered. Like it's not like top 10 or something. But, um, you know, it just it just seems strange to me because, well, OK, let's be honest. It's been a long time since I've been a college student. Right. Yeah, and yeah. At, when I was a college student, podcasting didn't exist yet. Neither did the iPod. Neither did most of the internet as we know it today. Um, you know, it was like the 90s. So um, The 1890s. Yes, the 1890s, you know. We were all like uh, sending letters by, you know, parcel post and all of that. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know. So the concept of walking around campus and listening to a podcast while you're doing stuff is very foreign to me. 
but yeah. might be normal for someone who's a college student now, you know? Well, this is really all I had to, to say about the list in general. I uh, Normally, when we do these shows, I load all of the uh, articles into tabs on my browser so I can kind of, you know, gloss over them while we're talking about them. But this one I did not, only because my overwhelming thought in reading the list is there wasn't really anything there that you wouldn't find, you know, if you were just getting into podcasting, let's say you just found the the podcast app on your iPhone and you were like, oh, hey, I've heard of these things. I'm going to check them out. Everything on this list you would find very easily by just scrolling through, you know, the top 20, top 30, whatever podcasts on iTunes. And Oh, yeah, they're very while, easy to find and very well known. While I get that, I just kind of went, okay, well, next. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I said, I mostly put it in here because the concept of binge listening as you're walking around seems odd to me. Yeah. You know, like I get like, okay, binge watching, you're at home, you're sitting on your couch or you're lying in your bed and you're watching your shows, right? But with this, you're like moving around somewhere in the world and I got to wonder how distracting that is, you know? Is it hard? Is it worse than texting well, on your phone as you walk around? I don't, know. I, don't I, know. I listen to podcasts while I do all kinds of things and so far I haven't accidentally walked in, you know, into a into a ditch. Okay, or, so maybe uh, it's fine and it just seems moving weird traffic to me, or but, anything. You know, that was kind of my main thing with that. Um, mostly, you know, it was that, but at least they pick some stuff. And the other thing that's interesting to me is, you know, like you said, these are all well known podcasts. And I'm wondering, um, you know, could College Times perhaps have found some student run podcasts, you know? Well, and that, yeah, and that was another thing I thought too, because, you know, college is supposed to be the time when you're in uh, experimental mode, right? Where you're trying to, to sort of get out there and find things that aren't necessarily the mainstream. And I would have figured, okay, well, college students would be keyed in at, at a level that's beyond what is just, you know, the top shows in most of the podcast directories. I guess, so, you know, I mean, it just seems like, shouldn't there be like college run podcasts that are students yeah. from like the communications department or something, you know? Um, I don't know. Maybe they yeah. don't have it. I mean, maybe I'm thinking of it in equivalence to like college radio, you know? Sure. Maybe they don't have that anymore either. I don't know. But anyway, it was just an interesting way of looking at podcasting as, yeah. as binge listening. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the next item on our list is titled Deaf Man Pleads with Bill Simmons to Transcribe Podcasts. And this is by Dan Cahill at National. This is uh, interesting to me because I'm legally blind. So anytime we have things related to podcasting and accessibility, uh, accessibility mm-hmm. I'm very interested. It, it does uh, pique my curiosity. And this uh, article says uh, that um, this fellow Dan Binder is apparently a big fan of uh, sports writer and commentator Bill Simmons. But he has effectively been cut off from a lot of Bill Simmons' work over the last 10 years because most of it's been as a podcast. Because uh, this guy, Dan Binder, is hearing impaired, well, he can't listen to podcasts. And apparently most of Bill Simmons' podcasts, and he's been on ESPN, he's you know done his own shows uh, outside of ESPN, none of them have been transcribed. So he's effectively... Unable at, yeah. to consume the uh, the stuff that Bill Simmons is making, and he's a big fan of Bill Simmons. 
And I thought, you know, that is a side of the transcription discussion that we don't often have in podcasting. Usually, those of us in the, uh, you know, the, the creation of podcast world, the topic of transcriptions comes up from the perspective of, well, is this going to help me in terms of SEO? Right. Or, Are people going to like pick up the the topics I've talked about a little bit better if I write them all down and say what was said? Is this going to be easier for people? Well, um, it's in usually, terms of dragging them to my site and getting more yeah, listeners, it's, right. it's a you know it's a me 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 kind of thing. But yes. this really puts it in terms of hey, there are people out there that do need that transcription because they cannot hear you. Yeah, and the article doesn't really come to any great conclusions one way or another it does say that there's been some possible discussion maybe of you know fans doing some kind of kickstarter to come up with the funds to transcribe the shows and you know show transcriptions are kind of a weird thing there are services out there that you can hire to do that work for you with varying degrees of success as far as how good the transcriptions are. And, you know, this argument sort of goes back and forth. If you're creating podcasts and you also put out transcriptions, there's going to be some people who will read the transcriptions but never listen to the shows. And Mm -hmm. does that sort of, you know, cannibalize your audience in one place over another, which are all fair discussions to have. But They're still coming to your site, though. That's true. I mean, they may not be downloading your episode. Yeah. But they're coming to your site. I mean, that's maybe something, I guess, you know, but I guess it depends on why are you doing a transcription? You know, if you're looking at it in terms of there's people who can't hear your show, uh, would you like to include them as well? Then, you know, that's a good way to go is with transcription. Now, it does come down to, like you were saying, you know, do you have the money to pay for a group to do this or do you have the time to do it yourself? yourself, And uh, that's not always, most people don't have that. Most people doing podcasts are doing them, you know, because it's fun, not because it's their job, you know? So, um, the amount of time they have to even put out the podcast is probably limited because they have a real, you know, day job kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's something to think about, you know? Yeah. It, it's a side of this conversation that we don't usually have. And even from my perspective, which is probably a little different than most people's, it's even one that I hadn't really even thought about. So I'm glad that it's getting out there and, uh, just another thing for those of us who are producing podcasts to think about that there there are a, a certain number of people out there who, whether or not we uh, produce uh, transcriptions, they can't actually consume the content in the way that maybe we want them to. Right, so, right. So uh, it's, it's just a, a, another angle on it. Um, so uh, why don't we move on to the next one, which is what, Jen? Okay, so the next one is an article titled, This is the Most Unsatisfying Thing About Podcasts, which seems like a strange thing to bring to a show about podcasting, <laughs> you know, but hear me out. Um, yeah. This is written by Francine Hardaway, who is a guest blogger for uh, Phoenix Business Journal. And she listens to a lot of podcasts and she enjoys podcasts. She's not saying that, you know, podcasts are awful or whatever, or she's gotten too frustrated with them. It sounds like she's going to continue to listen to podcasts. But the problem that she's uh, having is that she can't keep up with them all, which everyone has that problem. But the, the bigger problem, if I'm understanding her correctly, and I think I am, is she can't respond in real time. Yeah. 
You know, now there are some podcasts that do live shows and you can go and check out the live shows and interact with the hosts to some degree. Some of the hosts will, you know, take comments from the audience or answer questions or whatever. Some won't. Um, it just kind of depends on what they're doing and how many of the hosts can see the chat room and technology and all that stuff. But, you know, she was talking about like she was listening to a podcast where somebody was talking about the Apple Watch and whoever was talking about it didn't really like the Apple Watch too much, but she loved her. So she wanted to be able to like have a conversation and say, this is why I like the Apple Watch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and respond in that way. Um, but it wasn't something she could do right then, you know? Yeah. And she says that um, she, you know, at, she was walking her dog at the time she was listening to a podcast. Now, this goes back to people walking around listening to podcasts, which is strange to me, but seems to be yeah. the norm for everyone else, sure. such as my life, you know. But, <laughs> um, you know, she was doing something. And so she's walking her dog. And it's not like she can just go, like, you know, jump onto her computer or her her uh, Apple watch or whatever, and look up the podcast website and type in a little note, you know? Um, And even then, you know, depending on when she's done it, like unless she listened to the podcast right after it was released, you know, if it's not a brand new show, she's still not having a real time conversation with the person that's hosting it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what she wants. So that's the most frustrating thing. The biggest downside to podcasts is this, you know, time shifted media kind of thing. I'm going to say, you know, you can't yeah. really do now me personally, I'm behind on everything, everything, <laughs> everything all the time. I, I create way more media than I consume and mm, yeah. it's kind of a problem, but, um, so that's what I do. And like, I end up way behind on every show I want to listen to or watch or whatever. Um, so for me, if I'm listening to a podcast and it's an older podcast, but there was something that was really significant to me in that show, then I'll leave a comment. You know, yes, but if it was something really important, you, but I'll do it on the website and I will sit here in front of my computer and listen to the show. So uh-huh, I'm that, doing it like, you know, old school. Yes. That, yeah. that makes you in a lot of ways now, you know, this wasn't necessarily true prior to the explosion of, of mobile podcasting mm-hmm. apps and stuff, mm-hmm. but you are becoming, if you're not already a, a minority in right. terms of how you listen, because you're actually listening at the computer. So right. for you, it's just a few clicks away to go over to a podcast website and leave a comment. Right. And I know like, you know, as a podcaster, if you get a comment on a show from, you know, a few months ago, but it's a really good comment, you're happy. You know, it's not like anyone's gonna be like, oh no, they did it on an older show. I don't care. You know, I mean, if it's a really relevant, good comment that gives them a jumping off point to talk about something else or to bring that back up, I think that's worth it. You know, and at the very least it says someone listened to your show, which we all want, you know? So, you know, yeah, I guess maybe I am very, you know, old school and a lot of well, movies, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my thoughts on this are from a few different angles because in a lot of the communities I participate in, I see fairly regularly podcasters who are dying to get any level of feedback. Like they they'll put out shows for weeks on end and they can see that they're getting some downloads, but nobody ever writes in and just says Hey, I liked your show, or your show sucks, or you know you were wrong about this, or I love what hey, you said here. Or hey, your audio is bad. You need to fix it. You know, <laughs> or, I mean, we need that. those. Yeah, or we that. need those. Those are all helpful. Uh-huh. And you know, some of the shows that she talks about here, like she mentions, uh, you know, uh, Leo Laporte's Twit Network. Uh, She's got no agenda. Vergecast, there. Uh, yeah. no agenda. You know, those are shows that have very large audiences, and there seems to be a delta where a show gets to be big enough that they get so much feedback they really can't give it the kind of 
time it deserves, or you have shows that are just you know dying for someone to send you know a three sentence email so they can have something to read yeah, now yeah. on most of the shows that uh that you and I do, if we do get uh any comments, we tend to uh read those out on the show right and mm-hmm. I think that's a great way to encourage uh you know participation and feedback from an audience. But there it is can a- work. Um, but I think like, okay, one of the shows I do involves a video game and I'll yeah. just kind of not advertise beyond that. There's, you're never going to get, if you don't know me personally, you're never going to guess from video game. You know what I mean? So um, <laughs> there's kind of a lot to sift through, but uh, in that show, we've uh, made an effort to bring in comments through various means. Like we uh, pay attention to Twitter, you know, and yeah. the great thing about video games is you can literally get into the game and go play with your fans. You know, True, at the same yeah. time, you can go do whatever the video game involves together. Um, and that's a little bit of like interaction that I think she's wanting that type of interaction, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that the podcast alone is not given her this. Yeah. Because it can't. It's not set up that way. You have to go outside of it. Everything I just mentioned is outside of the podcast. Yeah. You know, um, to do. And I've totally went off course here with what you're saying. Well, but one of the one of the things that she mentions here is, you know, she talks about that these podcasts she feels that these podcasts are not really developing sort of an active community, I guess. And this is one of the things that podcasts really struggle with because it can be difficult to find a place to sort of coalesce. You know, uh, some of these shows, like the No Agenda show, has um, a, a pretty active chat room when the show is live. Uh, the same thing with uh, This Week in Tech. And for the most part, with This Week in Tech, I think their chat room is active 24 7. It doesn't matter if they've got a you know, group. I see more and more now that podcasts are starting Slack channels, which is an That's interesting, interesting that. way yeah. to get people involved because Slack is becoming a lot more ubiquitous where people already have it. And that's really one of the challenges because you can't always say if you build out on a social net that the majority of your fans are going to be there, a lot of your fans are going to be there. Obviously, we tend to think, well, everybody's on Facebook. That's not true. That's not true. And there have been a handful of shows that I've seen that have fostered really solid communities on Google+. And generally speaking, we tend to think that Google Plus is kind of doomed and it yeah. is it just isn't really used that much, but it that's an indication that no, there are certain case cases where that happens that's and right. yeah. it's no well, I know even with like, you know, the video game show I was talking about, we do include a lot of comments from Twitter that are specifically tweeted at the show. And we do have listeners that aren't right. on Twitter, but we also include, you know, hey, send us an email, that kind of thing. We do yeah. have other options. But the idea is, oh, we'll just use Twitter. You know, a new show could come up and say, I'll just use Twitter. Well, not all of your fans are going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I guess I see the the point that this author is making in the article, but I also feel like maybe she should look at some shows that really do have – you know, a community that she can get involved with. I, I just, I find myself as a, a very, you know, independent podcaster, I'm always trying to do things to, to foster more interaction. I want more of that. So I don't think that her take is true of all of podcasting, 
but at a certain level, I I guess I do see where she's coming from. Right, and I think I think the main thing wasn't necessarily just um, like there's a paragraph in here. That's what's still unsatisfying about podcasts. Even people with empty lives can't listen to the stream in real time every week. Yeah, like she wants that kind of interaction, which is reasonable. You know, that's part sure. of why people listen to a show. They want that kind of interaction. They want a group to talk with about that show. Yeah, you know, um, that's reasonable. But yeah, if you're if you're consuming podcasts by you know walking around somewhere, it's going to be you know you're obviously not listening to the live show at that moment, yeah. um, and it's going to be harder to you know say hey I had this thought about the Apple Watch you talked about and I want to say this you know that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's just a different way of looking at things, I guess. And you know, the more I talked in this episode, I'm I'm apparently ancient and very old school as we go. So <laughs> oh well. Yeah, that's true. And, and yet I've been podcasting forever, so I don't know how that works and, exactly. And by the way, there's really no reason for this to be a secret. The gaming podcast Jen does is called Shattered Soulstone. Yes. It's about the Diablo games. It is. Mm-hmm. And there's really no reason for you to be cagey about that. Well, I didn't feel like I, I didn't necessarily want to advertise. Well, no, I get which it. Which brings us to another topic that we're, <laughs> we're going to get Indeed. to in just a second, actually. Our, our next item here is called Should You Advertise on Podcasts yes. by Bob Hutchins yes. at business 2 community. Right. So it's geared towards people who are looking to maybe put their ads on a podcast. Yeah. And my um, first observation here Mm -hmm. is in the beginning part of the article, uh, he quotes something from Wall Street Journal and he's sort of summarizing it. And he uses the phrase, so why has podcast advertising remained so stagnant? And certainly I am not the one to talk to about in-depth advertising trends in podcasting. But generally speaking, what I've always heard from sources that I trust is that overall podcast advertising has grown year over year. You know, it's the audience size has gotten bigger. The advertising opportunities have gotten bigger. And this idea that they're stagnant feels to me like part of an agenda that we're seeing out there from a lot of different sources. And this also, uh, this article also reinforces some of that. Uh, there's a mention in here. So, okay, uh, challenges to the platform. Uh, that most uh, would-be advertisers will shy away from. Uh, and they're talking about things like, you know, Measuring there's no standard and, for measurements, yeah, right. which is untrue. How do you know they think, you know, there's a thing, how do you know they didn't skim through your ad and, well, and not listen and to it? Well, that's, yeah. you know, that, 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 that's that thing the is un- valid, but the thing is, like, um, I don't know. See, this is coming, question. It's the unanswerable question so far. Um, and, you know, this is uh, the, the thing that he's bouncing off of here is coming from the Wall Street Journal, which obviously is a newspaper, okay? True. And newspapers, let me tell you, newspapers are not necessarily the best option in terms of how should we provide, how should we get ads and sponsorship and re- make mm. money from ads. Newspapers are having a really difficult problem with this. Now, it doesn't mean that whoever wrote the article on Wall Street Journal is you know, kind of in that mindset, but maybe, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't dig through the Wall Street Journal to, to find the uh, original source of this I'm kind of going with. He's probably got it right as far as picking out that point and bouncing off of it. But um, it's just kind of interesting to me, you know, this idea of 
um, well, you'll never know how many people listen. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, there's ways of tracking downloads. There's different you know, well, ways and of going about it. Um, this and- is one of the things that comes up a lot. And obviously, yes, when you're dealing with media that's downloaded and then you lose the ability to track it, you don't know if a person actually listened to it. You don't know if they skipped the ads. You don't know if they listened for the first five minutes, the first 30 minutes, the first however before they may or may not have heard your ad. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that you – kind of have to live with as far as podcasting is concerned now. You know, if you're watching something on, let's, you know, let's stick with the Apple thing we're talking about. If you're watching, you know, on Apple TV or whatever, right? Since we're talking about Apple Watch, we'll just go there. Um, Or any of the other similar services, you know, there's some ads in some of the shows you can access through apps there. And there's no way for those, you know, advertisers to know that you didn't, you know, treat it like regular television and get up and go use the bathroom instead of sit there and watch the ad, especially if there's two or three in a row and you'd have enough time, you know, get up and got a soda or something, you know, started playing with a game on your phone. I don't know. There's no way they can know that either. But that's not stopping advertisers from putting ads there. Well, and the standard argument about this is when you think about how radio and television ratings are determined i mean most of those are not very reliable methods either it's somebody that's uh you know filling out a you know a little diary which i've done before and it just asks you okay during this time uh what were you listening to or what were you watching and i mean you could be completely honest about that or you could just pull your local you know, TV schedule timetable out and just write down all the shows that you like mm-hmm. and regardless of what you watched when. And it's kind of remarkable to me that they're sitting here and complaining about a measurement system we have in podcasting where we know that at the very least a person downloaded, you know, they, a, a person chose to consume that media. We know it because you know the the stats filtering is there it's robust generally speaking the the good stat companies you know they're filtering out uh multiple requests bots stuff like that right. mm-hmm. so they have a pretty good idea of yeah that download was I- initiated by an actual human being who presumably wants to consume the content so yeah we don't actually know if they listen to it but it's a much better indicator to me than you've got a sample of you know, a, a, a metro area of people who filled out a book or did something online or, or whatever the different responses are. And you can just go, okay, well, based on these responses, we surveyed however many thousands of people in, you know, the Chicago metro area. So we can determine that this is representative now of millions of people. To me, the podcast metric is a much better and much more reliable mm-hmm. metric. And this is just part of – like I said, it just feels like it's part of an agenda right now that some companies are trying to push that podcast advertising is or, – or rather podcast metrics that exist are, are not accurate and this is a problem and it and really well, has you know, never been a problem. If if you're the Wall Street Journal and you're a newspaper, newspapers are struggling because they're still primarily – um, basing their income on ads that are in the print paper and subscriptions to the print paper. You know, now some of them yeah. have started 
Um, I think Wall Street Journal might be one of them. I'm not sure. I haven't really looked at that website and I don't even know how long. Um, but it might be among the ones that you can't read anything until you get a subscription or it lets you read mm, a couple and then you have possibly, to have a subscription. Yeah. I mean, a lot of newspapers are trying to do that online. They're trying to sort of find a balance because um, what's happening with newspapers is their whole ad system worked great until the internet, you mm. know? And so now you got to wonder if the, you know, something on the wall street journal is saying, Oh, Hey, don't go to podcasts. What are they saying? They're saying, come to us, you know? Yeah. So there's maybe a bias there, but the thing that I thought was interesting other than what you were saying, which is interesting is, um, the person who wrote this article here on this, uh, business to community thing, not on the wall street journal was talking about, well, if you're, if you're going to stick your ad on a podcast, here's some ideas. And one of the things he said was select the right audience. And I'm so glad he said that. Yeah, I'm so glad he said that because the worst thing you can have is, you know, a show that's about a specific topic and have some random ad in there that doesn't right. make any sense. It's yeah. jarring to listeners. You know, it's um, maybe confusing. Why is this person who normally talks about this subject over here talking about this one that has nothing to do with anything I've ever heard this person talk about on the show? Uh, and the odds are if you're if you've you know very mismatched in terms of where you placed your ad, you're not going to have as many people that you know, are going to want your product. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if it's, it's, if it's a gaming show and you're talking about like, I don't know, um, a vacuum, you know, or, you know, a mixer for your kitchen or something, yeah. you know, not for your podcast. Um, Baby formula. Yeah. You know, I mean, you may have some people who are listening that might be like, oh, that's exactly what I need. But most of the people who are listening to a gaming podcast are not there for those types of products you know right. now if you get like some kind of a computer you know that's like set up for gaming or something now you might have a better chance at getting people to like you know respond to that ad who are listening to the show and so i think that if part of the problem is you know well you know people aren't responding to ads maybe it's because people that are putting ads out there are just throwing them on anywhere you know yeah that's true and i think that's one thing that i th suspect we may see in the coming years in podcasting as the move to programmatic advertising becomes more popular, which is really something that exists in radio. And it's one of the reasons why if you listen to a lot of local AM radio stations where they're, they're really not doing any local programming, they're just running, you know, syndicated stuff, uh, off a satellite or whatever, a lot of the ads are for um, kind of scammy type stuff. You know, it's a lot of different uh, supplements and, and here's gold, where you buyers, can gold buyers, right? stuff like and, that. And it's because yeah. these those systems are set up for these, uh, you know, programmatic style buying where some ad buyer just logs into a system somewhere and looks at the inventory that's available for whatever clients they're representing and just drops the ads in, and they don't care what they're advertising against. And uh, I suspect we'll see some of that in, in podcasting, especially from certain outlets as we continue to move in that direction. And me personally, I'm not looking forward to the day when you know podcasts sound like uh, radio shows in the sense that, oh, well, here's a, you know, here's a, here's just a, a sort of a nondescript, uh, stop set of ads 
that really have no relevance to the rest of the thing you're listening to. Right. And in mm-hmm. fact, I am listening to one show right now that's on the uh, CBS Play It Network that kind of does that. And I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that there's going to be more shows following that. Um, and they're going to find that they're not going to get as much you know, feedback right. from from listeners, not the podcast itself. If the show's good enough, people will, you know, skim right over those ads they don't want to hear. But, um, you know, if you really want to sell something on a podcast, you have a product or you have a service and you really want to get the attention of people who are listening to podcasts, you need to match it with the listeners. You need to find somebody who wants the thing you're selling and put your ad over there on that kind of show Yeah. instead of just everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there were two other notes from this article that I thought were worth mentioning from the section that you have here. Mm -hmm. Uh, This author recommends if someone's going to try podcast advertising, use a direct response approach. That's smart. And uh, select the right audiences. You said have the host read your ad. And I think that's incredibly smart to do because it's a lot easier if a host does a live read, Mm -hmm. you know, while they're producing the show to keep that sort of organic and flowing through the show. And it makes it a little harder if you're listening and you're a little less inclined to just skip over it because you don't know exactly when it's going to end. Right. And, you know, some hosts are very creative with that and they might do something entertaining. And getting back to the show that I mentioned that's on the, the CBS Play It Network, it's usually the opposite of that. They'll just break. And then, you You'll know, hear some, some completely different voice that's not yeah, the host or the co-host exactly. or whatever. And yeah. to me, that is jarring and that is very radio-esque and that is going to get me a lot more inclined to hit the, you know, skip 30-second button a few times and just get back to the show. Right. So uh, so just some thoughts. It was yeah. a pretty good article. We're not ripping the article. We're no, not no. thrilled with, you know, Wall Street Journal, but, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was a really good article. Yeah. Yes. So we have one more thing that I feel like almost out of a sense of obligation we need to talk about. And to be honest with you, I don't really want to talk about it a lot. But around the middle of last month, uh, this article came out on uh, the Neiman Labs website. It was written by Joshua Benton. And it was called NPR Decides It Won't Promote Its Podcasts on NPR uh, or NPR One One on on, on Air. And the immediate reaction that most people had, including me, was that this was some indicator that deep down in the uh, core of of NPR's you know direct directorial layer, they were determining that the podcast audience was sort of cannibalizing the radio audience, and NPR first and foremost is still a network of radio stations, even though their podcasts are incredibly popular. Right. And I I mean, I I would not sit here and say that there are more people listening to their podcasts than hearing the shows on the radio stations. I I don't have that kind of uh, data, but you can kind of look at the future and say, well, it seems like radio listening is sort of dropping off and it seems pretty likely that, you know, podcasts or whatever digital streaming, whatever it is, is going to be the future of all this. Regardless, a lot of people read into that as I did that, oh, hey, this is a indicator from them that, you know, uh, the, the podcasts are kind of taking down the radio side. And immediately the next day, there was not exactly a retort, but 
uh, something was posted, uh, Why NPR Changed How It Talks About Podcasts by Elizabeth Jensen And it was at on NPR. NPR and yeah. she is an ombudsman, right? Well, it says NPR ombudsman with Elizabeth Jensen. Hmm. Okay, and well. And this is under the media and society. And then we have the title, Why NPR Changed yeah. Its Talks About Podcasts. And so she has an article here about it. Well, this is, I think, I mean, short of getting into, you know, conspiratorial talk. Right. Well, which, I can I can summarize. Um, well, yeah, there's you want to. well, there's one thing that I, I want to say, and then what is kind of the takeaway here from the original article, and this was quoted from. Um, a memo and what was, was supposed to be an internal memo at NPR. It was never meant to be seen by the wider public. And the big thing here is uh, this uh, this guy, uh, Chris Toppin at NPR, he's a vice president for news programming. He said that what he would like to see is when they come out of different uh, segments, news segments and things, that they didn't want there to be a call to action at the end like they apparently had been doing. So it says here, a quoted from the memo, no call to action. We won't tell people to actively download a podcast or where to find them. No mention of NPR.org, iTunes, Stitcher, NPR One, etc. So a good uh, closer to something would be to say something like, that's Linda Holmes of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast and our blogger on the same subject, and Bob Mandello, NPR's uh, film uh, film critic, thanks so much. So you mention it, and you move on. Yeah. You just say, well, here's who they are, there's their thing, right. ta-da. And the bad way to come out of a segment would be, um, okay, everyone, you can download Alt.Latino from iTunes and, of course, via the NPR One app. So this is where you know people were getting this kind of takeaway that they were – actively saying, you know, we can't we can't promote podcasts anymore on the radio. Well, there's also at the bottom of this memo it says no NPR1 from for now NPR1 will not be promoted on the air. And yeah. it kind of goes into this thing like, you know, just say here's so and so from this podcast, there you go, you know. Yeah. Um instead of saying, you know, hey, you can download it at and like throw, you know, the the uh NPR1 or whatever at them. It was it's more of um it does sound like they're saying, oh, no, we're not going to – we're going to kind of hide the fact that these are podcasts or, or whatever. We're going to make right. it hard for you to find. Um, but the the article written by Elizabeth Jensen actually references the first one we talked about mm-hmm. um, and you know, kind of goes over, okay, I see why people are misunderstanding this, but kind of here's what this is about. And it's a pretty long article. It's interesting to read. But the idea seems to be, if I'm understanding it correctly, that um, – they're basically fitting the way they talk about podcasts so that it matches the way they talk about books or the way they talk about music. Yeah. If you have a, an author on the show and you're discussing, oh, what is your book about and how does this fit into whatever news of the day or how did you get this idea or whatever you talk about with the book, uh, maybe you include a tiny little blurb, whatever they do, when they get done, they're going to say, hey, that's Joe Smith with his book. I wrote a book today. You know, instead of saying that you can find it Amazon, exactly, you know, yeah. they weren't saying that they were just saying, you know, um, very, you know, who it is, name of, you know, product, I guess, or, or media or whatever. And the same with musicians, you know, that's, you know, Joe Smith with his album. I made an album. 
you know? Um, And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So they didn't want the podcast to be, hey, that's Joe Smith with his I Have an NPR podcast that you can find on NPR One. They didn't want it to be, you know, that this thing that they're now kind of almost pointing you towards, a call to action, you know, when they don't right. do it with other stuff. So um, I think that was part of what was going mm-hmm. on with that, you know. And uh, it's just kind of, you know, they're not – they're not about to stop, you know, putting podcasts out. They're not going to, uh, they're not dropping NPR one, you know, they're, you know, it's none of these things. They're not, you know, they're not going to never ever bring someone who is a podcaster onto one of their shows if it's relevant, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but you know, at the end of her article, she kind of says that, you know, she hears regularly from listeners who feel NPR's on air sound has become too commercial and, you know, she's for anything that keeps the actual news time commercial free. So to just briefly say, you know, here's Joe Smith with, you know, I wrote a book today. Um, you know, she says that her audience is smart enough to go find it themselves. You know, you can go if you're hearing about somebody's book, you're probably going to just automatically know to go to Amazon to at least get some information about it. If you know the name of the podcast, most people can find that, you know, that people are listening to NPR kind of get that, you know. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't need, you know, this call to action saying, go download it now, you know. It's kind of what she was saying. So yeah, I I do want to give uh, credit to uh, this writer because she does touch on that notion that a lot of us had about well, uh, NPR doesn't want to promote podcasts because they feel it's essentially hurting the radio side. That's and, kind of in there. Um, yeah, she, there is a, a paragraph here where she's touching on that idea. And she says that tension is real. Just look at the uh, reaction on Twitter. Every time in recent weeks, NPR staff tweeted a suggestion to listen to an NPR election special via live streaming at elections.npr.org. A flurry of tweets from member stations followed suggesting listeners tune in to their local stations uh, or local station live streams. So it shows you that while ultimately they're trying to kind of diffuse the idea that the that podcast you know, NPR are, itself is going to eat all these little stations right you know. uh they're you know they are acknowledging that they do see this divide that is occurring where you've got sort of the overarching thing of npr that is a a, a network with all these digital sides and these other distribution channels and all these other things but yet it's still ostensibly made up of all these local radio stations and they have to try and strike some balance between letting the local stations hold their own audiences without just funneling them all mm-hmm. to the mothership, as it were. Right, right. All right. Well, Jen, you have any more thoughts on any of these I th- items? I think we've covered most of it pretty well uh, okay. without just – I mean there's a lot with both of these NPR-related articles – We'll put links into the show notes as we always do, but take the time to read them. There's a lot of stuff in here, and when you put it all together, it's it's pretty interesting. And yeah. we're just summarizing here. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can uh, find the show notes for this episode and everything else we do at podcasternews.com. You can find me on Twitter at Shano, S-H-A-W-N-O, and Jen. I'm at Queen of Haiku because I write some haiku poetry, especially if I'm angry about something on my Twitter account. That's how that got started. It is a private account, so uh, you can request 
to follow me. And if I can figure out who you are and that you're a listener of the show, then of course I'll you know click that button and we'll be all good. All right. So thanks again for listening. And with any luck, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Bye, people.